Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking to both Hellevorn and Tete about how to write introverted characters, building upon the episode that we had last week where I and Hellevorn talked about our introverted characters and the challenges that we had while writing them. Today, we will be focusing on Tete's character, Gleb Novokshinov, who is the ancestor of Andre. Gleb is the main character of her novel in progress, The White Crow Rides a Black Horse. And she has long had ideas for this story, but she also has had a lot of trouble dealing with how to characterize Gleb. So Tete, can you tell us a little bit about how and why you feel Gleb is a hard character to write sometimes? That's an excellent question. And I think it mainly stems from the fact that Gleb, unlike Andre, who's closer to our century, being in the 20th century, Gleb is pretty much rooted in the, you know, late 18th to early 19th century. And of course, you know, we're dealing, it feels very far removed from how we approach things in life, how society approaches things. Um, and Gleb also has um, a very tumultuous life, which can also be hard to you know, try to conceptualize, you can have the concept for it, you can expose, you know, do exposition on it, you can narrate it, but you can never get really inside their head because it's such different experience, you know, um, writing Andre, who is kind of a man entering into the modern industrial feels, you know, more, you know, and kind of emerging out of the agrarian military, that feels more closer, you know, to me, than, you know, Gleb, who has to deal with, you know, being the illegitimate son of an aristocrat, and then, you know, dealing with all the social complications of 18th century Russia, and then, you know, escaping and becoming, you know, a Cossack. So, I mean, all that feels very intimidating to try to understand how he thinks, um, you know what he thinks, but trying to narrate his voice, it's really about finding his voice and who he is, really. Those, that's the main stumbling block, so to speak. Hellevorn, what do you think of working with a character from a time period that is so far removed from our own? Your characters are also from the medieval setting, so have you had difficulties writing about some of them because they take place in such a different time from our own and their lives are much more tumultuous? Definitely, definitely. I think that this is one, one of the reasons why sometimes it is more difficult for us as, as writers to connect with characters that live in a time very different from our own because they, they have different concerns. They, they, they see life in, in a different way. So of course, uh, this this doubles the effort to connect with someone uh, who is also introverted. So if they if they come from a, a remote reality and they are also introverted, this this makes it more difficult. And I did have this exact problem with Ingvar when I first started writing him. So. Uh, um, I think I think I know what what Tete means when she talks about about writing Gleb, um, because um, um, I think that you you first have to decide uh, or or to discover more about his personality and the way he he interacts with people and and the way he he thinks in his own mind and in this way uh, I mean this will help you find 
find his voice and uh, uh, and, and and put his uh, his his inner world and also his behavior into words. So uh, um, I I would like to ask you some questions about uh, about Gleb. So. Um, First of all, um, do you think he is uh, uh, introspective or self-reflective? How, how, how introspective he is? I would have to say he's very introspective. I think he's very, he's very, um, I would have to say he's also very reflective. He can be very pensive. He, he knows exactly what's going around him. He's very self-aware and he knows despite all the deceits and if you will, the veneer of civilities that people may apply, he knows what's up, you know, he knows the hypocrisy, he knows what people are really going through, like, you know, despite the strong bond he has with his natural father, he knows that his father has a lot of problems, like with his, um, you know, the main, the main cause of his pro father's problems is the fact that his father has drug addiction and struggles with that. And, um, and, and also Gleb is self-aware of his own position. He doesn't, he has a very precarious position, even though he's highly favored by his natural father, he's still illegitimate. He's still technically a serf and he has very limited rights that are only granted, you know, within the, within the confines, you know, of his father's benevolence. So, I see. I see. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so he is very uh, self-aware and very aware of what goes on outside of him. He just doesn't like putting it into words, right? Because he is a man of few words. He is the the silent type, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think he's also he doesn't. I think he's learned not to speak too much because that can get you into trouble. So he's more of a quiet he'll calculate what he's going to say, you know, so it's, it's kind of like everything he says or does is a bit like it is like a chess move for him. Like I said, either to advance himself or to, uh, you know, defend himself. I see. So he's very analytical. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, in, in social situations, in interactions with other people, uh, does he have any kind of anxiety when interacting with people? I think it's, I think it's anxiety, but I also think there's a lot of resentment. I think he's, unfortunately, Gleb is rather misanthropic because I, I think he's very disillusioned with so much of humanity and he's only encountered a few good people. And even those people have let him down, like his natural father, whom he, you know, loved very much, had a very strong bond, ultimately let him down. And, but then he has bonds with other people like his half brother, but they're too weak to do anything because of youth and, and limit of power and things. Okay, I see. So it's not, it, it's definitely not. Uh, the kind of a, a shy introvert or an anxious introvert. This is not the main reason why he doesn't interact so much with people. It's rather because right. he is, uh, would you say that he is judgmental of others? Judgmental? I would have to say to a large degree, and yeah, he is, he is very judgmental. And I think maybe that's why 
he'll instantly see something and he'll want to judge it because he wants to assess the threat, so to speak. He somehow, I don't want to say he's paranoid, but he, he, he tries to see everything as the potential threat and not get involved in it. And so he'll instantly judge something or someone and he, he may reject it or, you know, maybe take a risk and accept it. But most of the time he's just going to be very judgmental. I think there's always that undercurrent of, resentment and not trusting anybody. Okay, okay, I see. Um, how is he in terms of uh, imagination, uh, his inner world? Uh, is, is he the kind of, of introvert who gets lost into a world of fantasy or something? I suppose he isn't because he's so analytical, right? So he doesn't dream away or something. Yeah, he, he really doesn't. I mean, he does have very deep thoughts, but it's not really a thing of fantasy. It's like he wants to find the truth and he wants to figure out how can he live life on terms of truth rather than, you know, the sort of play of deception that he sees around him, which mm -hmm. is one of the things that drives him to become a Cossack and really forge himself ahead in a, you know, military career to advance himself. Is he indignant? Because as we previously talked about in, I know Lev is not really an introvert, but then in the previous episodes, we talked about how Lev is driven by indignation. And that's why he's so into social justice. And it's also because of his background and what he's gone through, but also because he has a very indignant personality that really just hates authority. Do you think Lev has this? I think Gleb does to a degree. I think it's where Gleb wants to become the authority himself, but only of himself. Um, but at the same time, I think it's one of those things where he, he, he doesn't like authority per se, but he has no choice but to follow it. And he's trying to diplomatically figure out how can he work with it because he knows very well the order is set mm -hmm. in cement set in stone he can't mm -hmm. escape unless he moves to like another country or something so he's pretty different from Lev in that respect very I would say pretty different you know it, it's not like I mean is Gleb into social justice I mean I don't know if he really understands the concept because it's a thing of where he thinks everyone is individual and you have to set out to make your fate and try to break free from your confines you know that's why he like I said he throws himself into you know escaping becoming a Cossack and you know really forging really hard ahead to become respected in the military which was kind of a growing thing um with the Cossack forces at that time period especially as we uh, mm -hmm. enter the Napoleonic age I see I see that's a really good coverage of what drives him so I think he's more pragmatic than Lev is because as me and Hellevorn discussed Lev is kind of idealistic in a way that's true you know Lev is you know Lev is thinking about what will benefit society and, and social justice you know this is why he supports the labor unions Lev on the other hand he doesn't like to see people mistreated or things like that and he will not mistreat anybody himself you know, um, unless someone is threatening him and then, you know, he'll go full blast defense. But Gleb is fatalistic in the sense that he doesn't feel like nothing will change anything. That's why you have to fight. And sometimes you might have to do something 
that isn't 100% morally ethic. Like you may have to do something illegal, like what he did, escape, kind of be on the run, and then you know become a Cossack because some Cossacks that's how that's how they became Cossacks. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. runaway serfs, you know. Exactly. How about Arda yeah. Jan? How would you think Arda Jan and his view of, you know, because he's the anti-Lev in many ways. He's against idealism of any kind. And he's also against authority. So how does he compare to Gleb? He's also very cynical like Gleb. Yes, I would have to say, though, that Gleb is not, he's not selfish per se. I mean, when I say that he does things for himself, it's not like he's willing to throw someone under the bus. I mean, not that Arda Jan does, but it, it's like, that's why Gleb chooses to be alone and not get involved with people, um, at least for his own choices and his own part. Sometimes involuntarily things come to him, like the whole thing with uh, when he, you know, encounters the woman that's going to be his wife. And he, he actually accidentally um, forms some friendships with some of the men he has under his command. Um, but, but Gleb, on the other hand, when he commits to something, he does commit. I mean, once he latches on to something, it's sort of like come hell or high water, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's different from Ardayan. And I guess um, Gleb believes there is a higher something. Um, I've kind of wobbled a little bit on Gleb's stance on religion and moral and ethics, but I I think Gleb, even though he is cynical of a lot of traditional things or traditional religion, I think he thinks there's something higher and there's some sort of transformative power out there because he's, he sort of experienced it, you know, getting a new life. And he's met, he's met a number of good people that didn't let him down. I mean, he lost them, which is painful. And that's another thing. It wasn't so much the second part of his life wasn't that these people let him down. It was that he lost them, but he believes there's something out there that can, but it's an individual thing. It's mm-hmm. not going to be a mass thing. It's not going to be a group thing. You I know? see. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So yeah. How, what kind of introvert do you think he is, Helleborn, compared to the characters that we discussed last episode? So he's not like the kind that has social awkwardness or anxiety, but he's also, I think he's closest to Ingvar, right? He's analytical. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. He's, he's analytical and he's misanthropic and uh, they are both judgmental of others. And well, Ingvar sort of feels himself above other people so um um and and also he he overanalyzes things and yes he, he does spend a lot of time in his own mind but it's not really in in the sense that marwin does mm-hmm. so i cannot say that he is a dreamer he is mm, i'm not sure if ingvar is really idealistic either so yeah i think that he and gleb do have a lot of things in common just that ingvar is is quite philosophical, so he loves to. I mean, this is the kind of the kind of fantasy world that he loses himself in. Uh, uh, philosophical stuff. This is what goes goes on in his head. So um, um, it, this is where this is why when he gets to talk about philosophy with Aiden, he suddenly becomes a different person, and he he talks more than he ever talks in other situations. So he loves thinking about hypothetical things. So um, does would uh, is Gleb any similar to this in any way? 
I would have to say he is. I would have to say um, there comes a point in, in his life where he does reach that. And it's when, um, you know, as he's kind of, uh, how do I say, he sort of finds himself sort of li um, living under the care, well, not living under the care, but more or less being like a very young uh, farming partner, if you will, slash surrogate son type um, to this Cossack who happens to also, um, you know, be a priest. And, you know, that, and this guy, and this, this priest, uh, his name's Constantine, uh, by the way, he's very, um, how'd I say, he doesn't, he doesn't believe in this sort of rigid social stagnation that a lot of like traditional, you know, church kind of stipulates, you know, um, he's more of a, you know, he's more of a rebellious Cossack type. He's more of a, you know, Jesus was a rebel, so we should rebel too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and like be the, be your own authority. Um, and don't, you know, crimp on other people. Um, and, and this of course sets Gleb's mind aflame. He likes this. And I think he gets to open up his mind and, you know, what he had to resign himself to when he was, um, you know, living on with his natural father on the estate and everything. Mm -hmm. I see, this is interesting. So he does come out of the, out of his shell when he meets someone that he finds he connects with in a way that he doesn't connect with other people, right? Right, exactly. I, I think when Gleb, it, it, how do I say, Gleb's a very hard person to get to. It's like the video game character, you have to get to level 50 in order to unlock the friendship backstory um but yeah I think once he meets people that really click that kind of have that confluence you know um then he opens up and and I think he does become a different I never thought of that about that but it's actually coming in my mind he he could become a different person he could become more open and more animated you know mm -hmm. I see. So this is just what I wanted to to ask you about him. If uh, uh, how how is Gleb when he finds a friend? So what what changes in him, and in what way does he interact in a in a better way and ex express himself in a better way when he actually likes someone as opposed to like people on a daily basis? Right. I think he's less sullen i think he's less silent um he doesn't look like he's grimly judging the world like a grim stark figure um i think he's also he also becomes some um, considerably more considerate of that person um i think he talks more i think he expresses himself more he's not the kind of person to really laugh or smile much but you see something soften in him you know, that you don't really see this etched in stone hardness all the time. And, and you see something soften and relax a little bit in, within him. And, and you feel that kind of vibe come out of him. And I also think that he is loyal, right? When he when he finds himself someone that that he likes and appreciates, because it is often that these people who have very few friends, when they finally find someone they are very very loyal and very attached is it true about web yes you have acts you have you have analyzed that perfectly that is what he is um once he finds someone and they've clicked with him and he's clicked with them 
um, he is very loyal. I mean, he is sort of a, I mean, he's, he's willing to take bullets for them. I mean, he, his, I mean, sometimes his loyalty can go to the extreme, but that's where he loses his, um, you know, I think with certain people, he'll lose that, that instinct to, you know, defend or protect himself. You know what I mean? Like he's not like with other people, average person encountering, he's going to see them, you know, as a threat or like, like sort of like a chess piece to knock over and he doesn't care. Like, you know, I don't care. Just, you know, be, be gone with you or take you down, you know, but with these people, it's like, he's willing to let himself get taken down to protect them or help them. So I, I think sometimes he worries about that a little bit, but like you said, it's so hard for him to find so many people. He could probably count on one hand how many people he's been attached to that sometimes he, he just doesn't care. Sometimes there's just comes that thing of loyalty and conviction, you know? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about how he sees his wife? Um, I would really like to contrast him or compare him to how Ingvar sees intimacy and love because Ingvar had a lot of problems with that respect so in his in his perspective. So I think Gleb doesn't have as many problems, but I want to explore how and why does he differ from Ingvar? That's an excellent question. And I mean, this, and this is also a good comparison. I think I think one of the main problems is Gleb's own background and how he's very self-aware of that. Um, as we've stated before, um, he is the illegitimate son of an aristocrat and his mother was from sort of a, not sort of sort, somewhat well-to-do um, Tartar merchant family. And, you know, you know, because of his father's location, you know, he had did, done a lot of dealing with merchants and things of that nature. Because, um, you know, his father, even though he's an aristocrat, most of the time he's broke uh, because of a lot of different reasons, mostly because of um, his father's father doing a lot of things. But anyway, um, pretty much a product of, of that liaison. And, you know, Gleb knows that, um, you know, he, he never, he's never known his mother. His mother was, um, so there were some, there were a lot of complications um, with his mother and he knows that something ha bad had happened to her and that, you know, her family had rejected her and something went wrong with, you know, she and her, with, with she and his dad. And he knows he pretty much has to contend with the difficulties and the social stigma of being illegitimate, you know, not having the rights, not having the dignity, mm -hmm. um, not even, not even getting really like even properly baptized, you know, and things like that. And um, he just, he just, I, I think he has a lot of anger towards that. And, um, but at the same time, he sees a lot of marriages around him that are pretty much like prison sentences, you know, and I mean, it goes either way, you know, the abusive partner can go either way, or it's just stagnant and boring. And it's, it's just there, you know, and that's I the think, best type. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the stagnant and boring. That's the best type. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, but he doesn't really mind that he doesn't think too much on that. But what scares him is, um, you know, the idea of kind of sentencing a child to a lot of social stigma and problems in life, you know, um, 
you know, kind of, you know, like possibly ruining someone else's life because you got them pregnant, you know, like in those days, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and then, you know, somebody getting away scot-free from it, you know, I mean, now his his father did take responsibility and and raised him and actually kind of loved him more than his own legitimate son in many ways. And um, that's another issue for another time. But um, essentially, Gleb's, uh, Gleb's problem with intimacy and things is that he doesn't know if it's real or not. Um, he wonders if it's just like animal based lust, so to speak. Um, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, I mean, he knows that it exists, but he just wonders if that's just a basic instinct. And if it has any real depth, because he hasn't seen any, you know, good examples. And I think also too, he doesn't want to act on impulses. Um, So this is why I think a lot of times he, he thinks of every, he thinks of a lot of things as temptation and he tries to, you know, flee from it as, as, you know, you know, as you get instructed um, because he doesn't want to like say, have intimate relations with someone and then he accidentally gets them pregnant and then they're not married or maybe he doesn't want to get married because he doesn't want to have marriage and family bog him down um, because that'll get in the way of his military career and stuff. Um, and he doesn't want, he, the, the, the main thing above all else is that he doesn't want to give a child the same social stigma, shame and pain that he had to go through. That's the last thing he wants to do. And um, I think that's why he kind of really shuts himself off from a lot of intimacy. I mean, even to the point where it's not even healthy for him. Um, but he just he just doesn't want to. He just doesn't want that possibility of emerging of putting a kid through the same thing he had to go through. And he fears he'd even be crappier than his own dad because at least his dad took him in, raised him, provided for him, even gave him, you know, a half decent education, you know, and, um, you know, but, but Gleb fears that he will be even crappier because he's so focused on military campaigns and pushing himself forward. And, you know, he has no time for home or family or, or any kind of love or intimacy. So that's why he avoids that. And it, it's, it really upsets the, the apple cart turns around 360 when uh, he meets his wife through various and wild circumstances. So how do you think that compares to Ingvar Halliborn? Mm, I, I think it is quite similar to what Ingvar thinks, but I think that Ingvar is more anxious in once he actually gets into into a relationship or at least this is how he is with Eilf because they they become more intimate and and they become more intimate uh much sooner than he had prepared himself so he didn't feel himself ready for that and his anxieties are are triggered and he is a person who doesn't uh exteriorize any kind of anxiety so from the outside we see him as very confident and very and very detached and we, we cannot imagine him as uh, as being anxious about something but but intimacy and especially being inadequate or or being being the one who makes mistakes or or or, or the one who blows something that that should be nice you know so so I think that this is what he's afraid of at least this is what happens with ale. 
and not only with him. I think that in in all his attempts uh, of uh, of connecting with someone, it is the same thing. So I think this is how he differs from from Gleb because, as I understand it, Gleb is also afraid of making mistakes, but he is more afraid of of investing too much effort and sentiment into something that may not be worth it, right? Right. So he's more um, disillusioned, disappointed, I think, in in your relationships in general, and he doesn't really believe in the in the existence, or or this is what happens before he meets his wife. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's sort of, and even like how do I say, even after he meets his wife, it takes so many different events and, if you will, stumbling. Just There's so many different things that just juxtapose that finally to finally convince him to let, let, tear down his walls and, and embrace intimacy with her. And uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's, so it's, it probably will have to take more to explain probably in the next uh, part mm -hmm. oh wait wait a minute just a moment a message appeared oh no really what does it say um it said this meeting no longer has a time limit oh really okay we we were given it like for free then i we were lucky i yeah. saw that too as well this is why i smiled <laughs> yeah this is great news yeah but they can yeah, randomly give it to us Mm -hmm. Yeah, I panicked. I thought, oh my gosh, I got to wrap it up. And then I just saw, oh, it no longer has a time limit. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. So how does Gleb um, finally uh, express his feelings? So, so how, how does he express his feelings at first? And, and how does he um, manage to express them when he gets more comfortable? I would have to say... Um, it takes time, I think, and I think it's because um, he and his wife, um, well, the woman that would soon become his wife, they pretty much literally had to go on a very um, long journey. So he met her when he was in a um, um, military campaign in like Turkish territory. And this was like during the time when, as I always say, Catherine was busy messing things up. So, um, you know, Catherine the Great, you know, starting wars here and there, you know, like all despots. Um, so, um, so he met his wife uh, in Turkish territory um, and a, a, uh, she had helped him escape from, you know, captivity from, a, from this Turkish officer and his men. And they pretty much had sort of a long journey to try to get back to you know, within further into um, the Russian Empire, if you will, and I think through that journey, they gradually, how do I say, he gradually became more comfortable being less sullen and resentful. Well, not sullen and resentful, but just you know, quiet and stoic with her. Um, I think he began to appreciate. Um, I mean, not only what she did to help him out, but you know, herself, her personality and things like that. And I think, um, you know, there came sort of a catalyst when he thought that he was going to lose her, that I think he realized that he was not appreciating something 
that, you know, like an opportunity that was presented right before him. And he realized, you know, he was kind of ignoring something great that can come and essentially like sort of ignoring, you know, in his own terminology, a blessing that had come his way and that he was being very ungrateful about it. And I think that's what, it's that catalyst that prompted him to finally accept it and be grateful for it and, and take care of, of what had come, what had come into his life. This is beautiful. So in a way, because he never really knew love, he didn't recognize it when it first appeared in front of him, right? Is it something like this? Exactly, exactly. And, 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 and I think his, his, the woman that became his wife, she felt very similar because she had a very tumultuous life kind of similar to his. And she didn't really think that, you know, love existed, but she realized she likes him because, you know, he's very considerate of her. He doesn't, you know, try anything on her because, you know, people have, well, you know, men have tried so many things on her life and stuff. And, um, you know, she realizes that she likes him, but she's wondering if she'll ever, you know, have a chance at a happy, you know, happy life with somebody or, you know, a happy marriage because of her background and things. And, you know, she sort of gives up on that. Um, but then through this whole catalyst where he nearly loses her, um, you know, he wants to marry her and start a life with her. And that, that gives her a lot of happiness because she never thought that would be possible. So it's like both of them really didn't know or recognize love. Gleb more so than her um, because she realized her feelings first um, and he did not, you know, so... Um, it, but it, it is interesting how how it it comes together. Is she more extroverted than he is? Yeah, she is. She's actually sort of a foil uh, to him. I mean, she is more um, she's more talkative. She's um, more outgoing. She's very cheerful. Um, she's been known to be something in the right situation, something of a prankster. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, not entirely the opposite because she does go through bouts of like pensive and sadness and things like that and quiet and resignation, but she is more outgoing than he is. Mm -hmm. I see. So, so in a way it is also this, uh, uh, maybe her, her joy of life in spite of her past trauma that sort of inspires him and makes him realize his feelings right because you said that she was the one who, who was conscious about her own feelings at first yeah exactly exact and I, I think that's very right you know I think it's that like you said that joy of life she has despite all the things happening to her that 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 kind of wakes him up you know so to speak and um you know although he's never on the same you know level of her, her exuberance um I think he's willing to accept it like I mean he'll always still be very stoic and stony face but he'll soften and and just let it let it let the wave let the tide come in you know mm -hmm. yeah definitely and, and and he softens in relation to her I mean in relation to others he is pretty much unchanged as I imagine but she gets preferential treatment yeah <laughs> yeah this yeah. is what happens in love indeed yeah yeah he 
he is a, and and I if, and I think to uh, how do I say he's uh, he how do I say he's he's very protective of her and I, I think a lot of times um, if she suggests something he'll go and do it you know it'll it'll be a thing where uh, even though Gleb wants to be his own authority sometimes she will have authority too over him. <laughs> Ah, I see. I see. I'm I, I'm excited about this because it is quite similar to Ingvar and maybe even to Eolf. Do you think for Chinese games because it it, it is it is the same kind of uh, energy that Ingvar admires in Eolf, and he realizes that Eolf has had a more difficult life than he has, and yet he's so optimistic and ambitious and always so full of energy, whereas Ingvar is, is so world-weary all the time and, and he really admires that in him and it is one of the things that really attracts Ingvar to, to Eolf. So in a way it is quite similar. So uh, it, this opposites attract thing um, applies to a certain point. Of course they do have a lot of things in common. I mean Gleb and his uh, and his wife, but uh, but in this sense, in the in the introversion, right? He appreciates exactly that she is not as introverted as he is. Exactly, exactly. Um, I think he, I think I think he he appreciates the the energy that she brings, and it brings a nice balance. You know, in some ways, it's kind of like the juxtaposition of Andre and his wife. You know, Andre is the obviously extroverted, extra extroverted, while Dasha is more introverted. And, um, and that's the way with Gleb and his wife. Um, and the reason I haven't mentioned her by name is that she kind of goes by two names. Um, um, Isun is her Turkish name that she was kind of forced to have. But her actual name is um, Mariam. Um, and she's from um, Armenia. And it's a long and complicated story that I'll maybe go into another um, session or so, so to speak. But that's why I haven't addressed her by name. I just call her his wife. Because <laughs> if I kept if I kept saying I soon slash Miriam, it would just be too difficult to keep saying that. Um, but yeah, I think, um, and I also think Gleb realizes that she can help him out in certain social situations. They're part of a, a new form, a new branch of society that's starting to form, you know, the Cossacks at this point were going through a transformative period where they were becoming more established. They were um, getting married, settled down, um, making up their own stanitsas or, or villages and towns. And he also realizes this could also help her a little bit diplomatically because she's more social and she can smooth things out while he's kind of gruff and silent and thinking in very um, terse, you know, practical terms. She, on the other hand, she just kind of has like this way to smooth things out and add a bit of spice, if you will, uh, to a lot of things that might be, might make people more receptive to whatever he wants to do. Because they'll see like, oh, he's, you know, obstinate or whatever, or like, I don't like his vibe, you know, because his vibe's too cold. And then, you know, it, it's it'll be like, you know, she'll come in and uh, just sort of smooth it all out so to speak. They make a good team. Uh, yeah, they do. They do. And I, I think that really helps, like, especially for, you know, them trying to like get also get like, uh, how do I say, 
it was sort of like a there was a lot of conscious efforts on many many of the Don Cossack parts to um, kind of get westernized, especially um, as they progress further into the Napoleonic age. Mm-hmm. So you know, I soon Miriam helps helps out that way because she's you know very very sociable and that that kind of puts your foot in the door for advancing more into other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that um, the difference between Ingvar and Eyjolf and Gleb and Isun mostly is that I think over time Gleb loses his anxiety, but Eyjolf and Ingvar never get to that point because as we know in Lucky Wolf, unfortunately, they, they don't end up together because Eyjolf dies. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, um, yeah, maybe they they could have got to this point, but the differences between them were much more extreme. So uh, uh, I think it would have taken longer to to get to that point. But um, indeed, I, I, I really enjoy this idea of complementarity, especially when uh, when someone is such a, a fierce introvert, um, because it's... Uh, I'm not really sure. I haven't yet discovered if it is possible in real life or in fiction for someone so introverted to be with someone equally mm-hmm. introverted. I, I really don't know how how they would get along. And this is why I wanted to, to explore this, this idea of complementarity. And all my introverted characters are, I, I pair them with more extroverted ones, mm-hmm. even though not all of them are as extreme as Ingvar as Eilf. But uh, anyway, even Merwin and Halvard, there's, there's a a big difference between them in, in terms of that because Merwin needs something or someone to help her get out of her own head and show her that there is something worth living for in the real world as well mm-hmm. and and uh, and someone that helps her see that she can trust people uh, of course uh, her son gets her into the real world but but also someone else uh, a man and that and that love can exist and i think this is one one thing that um i soon and merwin have in common because they uh, well they both went through a sort of a trauma it's, it's not the same thing but but they were both sort of disillusioned after a, a relationship as as, under, as i understand it right um yeah i well, I think with Aishin's problem, it was more or less um, a condition that she was kind of forced into. I mean, um, she was essentially like, um, so she's essentially an Armenian person um, whose family had been killed by bandits and she got sold into like slavery in Istanbul. But she was kind of fortunate in the fact that she got sold to a rich merchant family so she lived rather well but there were a lot of conditions that she had to meet unfortunately a lot of these conditions were traumatic for her so it's like you have you have a a well-to-do lifestyle but at what cost you know Mm -hmm. yeah I see I see this is sort of what I had in mind with Marwin but but for her I mean she was forced into a marriage she has a good life financially 
as as a noble woman, but she was forced into a marriage that she was very unhappy in and no one seemed to understand her. And they thought you should be lucky that you are married to, to this great Lord. And everybody just saw this. What are you complaining about? And this is why she, 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 she gets to think at one point that maybe this is all there is to life. Maybe everybody is uh, has so little in common with their partners, just that other people don't complain, and I complain because I'm so ungrateful. So, so in a way, this is what what her mindset is at at the point where she meets Halvard. So, right, yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's it's sort of like not quite similar. I mean, I think I soon because of a lot of the pain that she kind of had to go through. I mean, and also like linguistic and religious shock as well losing that you know you go from you know kind of being Armenian orthodox and then kind of being forced into like other stuff you know other language other religion um and then compiling that with the conditions and stuff I think I soon sort of she I don't think she saw more or less she kind of built a wall of herself sort of using cheer as as a defense mechanism you know so she always tried to you know be cheerful in things because if she let the pain get to her she just felt like it would kill her you know so oh, it's that's of, right yeah. it's Sorry, sorry. I, I just wanted to say that this is one uh, one more difference between Marwin, who is an introvert, and uh, and I soon react in a very different way to a simulation to a, to a situation that could be seen as sort of similar, but she reacts in a more positive way because she has a, a different kind of personality, whereas Merwin gets all gloomy and suicidal. So, right. <laughs> so if, if Merwin, who, whose situation is a lot more easy, uh, then I soon, I, I don't want to imagine what she would do if she were in I soon's place. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, 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 I don't think I would want anybody really, no one at all ever in I soon's place. So I am thankful that despite all the dangers and having to put up with, with, with Gleb as he is for, you know, uh, I'm glad she got out of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, and I, I think she's, I think she's relatively happy too. I mean, well, she's very, well, she's pretty mm -hmm. happy. She's very happy. So, um, but yeah, those, I think those are the differences. I mean, I guess that's why she, she clings on to extroversion as a, as a means of survival. Because I think if she let reality sink in and think about it as it really is, I, I think she probably would have um, unfortunately ended her life very much sooner, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess my point was that in a way she's like a very extreme version of Sam. I mean, Sam also uses cheerfulness and, you know, his jokes to kind of distract from his reality, which is that, you know, he has very demanding parents who want to force him into something that he doesn't want to. And he has a lot of stress from this, but he doesn't allow that to affect how people from outside his family see him. When he goes home, however, that's a totally different issue. Right, right. It, yeah, in many ways, that's it's very it's similar. I mean, it, it's more extreme, but but very similar. You know, um, you know, like I said, I soon does it as a as a means of uh, coping with reality, and not trying to. She just pushes what she's what her situation is in the back of her head. Mm -hmm. You know, and, um, you know. So I think um, 
I think in many ways that is very similar. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, can use extroversion as a, you know, as kind of like a mechanism, mm-hmm. you know, to survive. Hellevorn, I wanted to ask, um, you know how Ingvar was, with, well, he's not in a relationship, but then he he did sleep with her, with Reinveig. So I was wondering, how does that compare, even though it's not really a relationship to, you know, what we just covered? Because they're also an extrovert and an introvert. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, well, I think that in their situation, it was rather because um Ingvar was at a point when he sort of wanted to be with somebody because he had got a, a taste of what it would be like to, to be with someone. He, a part of him wanted to do that and, and he found Ranveig who was so, um, who had been in love with him, well, maybe childishly in love with him, but well, she was, and she was quite insistent. And I think it was his attempt to be normal. So I think this was maybe his reasons for for being with her are are sort of analytical as opposed to what he feels with Eolf, where Mm -hmm. it's all... Well, it's it, it, it's independent of his will. With Ranveig, it is the opposite. Mm-hmm. So he he sort of wants to do this. Of course, he has he has some anxiety as well, but not in the way that he had it with with Eolf, because at the same time he felt responsible as the as the mature one to to make the the right decisions if he makes the right decisions or quite the opposite that that's a a different thing but this is what he's trying to do he isn't afraid of hurting elf but he is afraid of hurting ranveig because Mm -hmm. well the age difference and everything so he he feels more responsible whereas with elf he's more careless and also he has the experience of uh having disappointed elf maybe or having made mistakes with him and he doesn't want to make mistakes again but he well uh i will not be saying more about the outcome of it Mm -hmm. but uh yeah he he responds to the situation in in a very characteristic fashion for himself (laughs) oh okay and and we know how much finesse he has when it comes to dealing with relationships and with emotions (laughs) but he tries you know he really tries a for effort you know yeah so how does that compare with um gleb and isoon do you think because isoon like gleb is very analytical too so when he you said you know he thinks about the opportunity that isoon presents him because she likes him does he also think similarly as how Ingvar thinks about Reinveig? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, maybe to a degree, I think it's a thing of where, um, you know, before all this, I, I think, well, like I said before, he's always, he had, he had prior to that, always been opposed to the idea of getting married and having children because for him that demanded domesticity that that meant having a home building a home and he didn't want that you know he wanted to you know keep forging ahead and going on military campaigns um you know basically uh earning and fighting his way you know to positions and positions of power and gaining it you know 
um, and, and things like that. So he never really thought about what is normal or what is conventional because he was living a very uh, unconventional life because, you know, how do I say singlehood in the Cossack philosophy is very unconventional when you compare it to like, you know, domesticity of conventional society. Um, I think it was a thing of where I think at this point he had nobody in his life because he had lost some people in his life and you know the opportunity to form a bond with someone again and a different kind of bond I think he realized he should take it because he's not going to find someone else like that and even if it means going against what he formerly thought or believed or wanted to do um, he's willing to let go of that or at least maybe try to make a compromise into what he wants to do and you know so it's it's a bit different so it's not like he's trying to and and also um i think too um i i think he's more he's more wary but i mean at the same time he has sort of you know hurt i soon which you know led to some things i mean not, not physically but you know emotionally and things of that nature um, so while he, he knows that he's done it, um, I think he tries to take care not to do it, but he knows that, you know, if he does do it, they can work through it. And I, and also he's very open for, you know, her to do the same, you know, if she would, you know, ever hurt him or, or anything like that, you know, I mean, he was, he's kind of hoping for eye for an eye, you know, but it doesn't really come to that, but he tries not to worry too much about it. Um, I think he's just trying to think, um, you know, if that situation does happen, how to fix it, you know. So mm -hmm. I don't think he's worried about disappointing her because he knows that she knows exactly what he is, you know, and he knows exactly what she is too. But, you know, he, he's probably open to the fact that probably as, the, as they kind of grow together, they might find more or, or maybe grow into you know, different, hopefully better people as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is a great point because um, you said that uh, he isn't afraid of disappointing her because she knows exactly what he is. And it's great because, uh, well, I think Ingvar is afraid of disappointing her because he knows that she doesn't know what he mm -hmm. is. And he, he is uh worried that once she finds out she she would not see him in the same way and and he doesn't want to disappoint her because she is an idealistic kid right and and she's an idealistic kid who doesn't know and doesn't want to admit that she is an idealistic kid mm. you know and and he sees that in her and for for him she's a child and he and he wouldn't want to hurt her so yeah i think that's a good point and this is why people who are otherwise quite similar Gleb and Ingvar have a different approach to this relationship because the, the people are they're with are, are also very different mm -hmm. and they and they adapt of course yeah because with Eolf it is more like like what you said yeah this, this is why he isn't so uh, so afraid of of doing anything wrong because he, he, well, Elf is, is definitely not a saint, quite the opposite. And he can handle himself like <laughs> what Ingvar does, right? Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah, I, I think I think that's very true. So sort of like um I I guess for I guess to just, you know, um go on the remain on the tangent, so to speak. Um I guess to compare Aolf with Isoon, um I think um, you know, Isoon herself, you know, she is not an innocent, idealistic kid. She is, you know, in many ways, even this despite her cheer and extroversion, she is, you know very jaded, very disillusioned, but her approach to everything is different. But, you know, at the same time, she's used to disappointment. In fact, I think it's finding happiness or having something that is a success kind of shocks her a bit, you know, and I think that's why, I think that's why she was the first one to kind of realize, you know, that, you know, Gleb, if he'll have her, um, you know, would, would be like, the partner you know and um so yeah but like i said she's open to any kind of disappointments that that gleb will bring he just he hasn't brought many of them i mean i think he's only really hurt her one or two times and of course these were not you know physical or anything because gleb is not um he's not really violent i mean despite him on you know despite his reputation on the battlefield he's not violent with people um, and least of all, I soon, I mean, he's mm -hmm. like I said, as, as he's, he's very protective of her. I mean, he knows not to treat her like, like the little glass bird, but at the same time, um, you know, he does take care not to hurt or disappoint her again, but he doesn't worry too much if mm -hmm. it does happen because he knows that it won't, it won't be of an insane nature. It won't be like insane proportions or anything. And he knows that she can handle it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, I mean, there's, that's, that's pretty much the, the structure of their relationship dynamic. How do you think Joel as an introvert compares to Gleb? Because I'm going to compare all the characters that we talked about last time to Gleb, <laughs> just out of curiosity. Because we oh, have yeah. Merwin. Okay, we did Merwin. We haven't done Aiden yet, so we can do that afterwards. We've done Ingvar because he's the closest. Um, right, right. Who else is introverted that we didn't? Frankie, I guess. <laughs> but I think he's really different from Gleb for many different reasons. Yeah, he is. I, I think Frankie is, is, is more closer to Andre. But I mean, I know that Frankie's introverted, but like Frankie has this good hearted, good natured, go get it spirit like like Andre does, you know. Um, and Joel. more family. Mm -hmm. Joel. Oh, Joel. Oh, Joel. <laughs> I'm sorry, just thinking about him. Uh, and this is this is nothing to Joel, just that Joel is Joel. Um I think one thing is that Andre doesn't believe in capitulating to convention society. Um I mean, Gleb, why did I call him Andre? Uh, psychology coming up. <laughs> um Gleb doesn't believe like Joel to capitulate to the conventions of a dominating society or the society that's in play or fashion or on trend. Um, Gleb is fiercely individualistic. Um, Gleb on the other hand, I mean, Joel on the other hand, as we know, is all for assimilation and being part of the, the bland fabric of, of what is the society that's dominating. Um, 
I think Gleb believes that there's something higher out there while Joel doesn't, you know, Joel just thinks there's a proper way to do things and you have to get success and be conventional, convention, convention, convention is pretty much the ruling mantra of Joel's life. While uh, Gleb on the other hand is about being fiercely individualistic and essentially being accountable to oneself, you know, and perhaps somehow understanding and hopefully contributing to a higher, more transformative power out there, you know, and, you, you know, even though Gleb is misanthropic, um, you know, it, it's a thing of where there, there are good people out there, they're just hard to find, and when you find them, you need to protect them and be loyal to them, because they're sort of the rare gems in the world, you know, mm-hmm. and I guess that differs from Joel because I, I think Joel's viewpoints are more everyone's just equally bland and we are all bland and we are all jobs and pay bills and that is it. And Gleb, on the other hand, doesn't. I mean, Gleb thinks that with a lot of with a lot of determination and if you play your cards right and do your tactics right, you can get ahead. You can. I mean, you can get to something really wild because mm-hmm. he wouldn't have thought as you know, a young boy living on his father's estate, that he could transform himself and his identity so much that now, like nearing as he's getting into older age, spoiler alert, that, you know, he is, you know, um, you know, he's a Don Cossack and he has a very, you know, very considerable military rank and he's really fought hard to get his promotions and get his power and also like even get the land that mm-hmm. he has acquired, you know, that mm-hmm. was given, you know, granted to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he's fought very hard for that and, you know, for positions and things like that. And, you know, he can, you know, hold his head high and, you know, be seen as part of this new emerging um, class of Cossacks that was starting to form. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, I think Gleb's like a pioneer. He's very individualistic. He wants to lead, you know, this kind of transformative social structure transformation and the establishment of it. And he won't be defined by how he was born because he's really against that. You know, he wants to define himself. But unlike Lev, he doesn't want to change society. He just wants to do it for himself and maybe a few people close to him. Exactly. That's the perfect sum- summation of Gleb. Like, he doesn't want to change society, but he wants to protect the people he knows that are worth protecting. And if he can benefit them through what he's doing, that he'll give him all the more drive to do it. You know, that it's not just me I'm doing it for, he realizes I'm doing it for, you know, a few good people who deserve something better than, mm-hmm. you know, the crap that we're given. Mm-hmm. I think the funny yeah. thing about Lev is that ironically, he feels more protective of people like Sasha and like the people who, for example, lose their fingers in the factories and people like that. And Katya, rather than his own son, he doesn't feel that protective towards Sam. I mean, he is protective, but then he always says horrible things to him. You know what I mean? Like he's protective of him. Like you can't go, you know, you, you have to come home before nine or you have to come home before eight. But when he's at home, he just yells at him and says horrible things to him. But 
but he would never say these things to someone like Sasha or Katya because he sees them as he sees them as you know not delicate birds but then he wants to protect them and he wants to say we have to empower the workers but his son's not a worker so then he doesn't care about empowering him <laughs> yeah I think, it's, I think it's the thing the fact that he sees his son as having no vulnerabilities because of the financial economic well you know at least security in the fact that Sam has a home and his parents provide for him but he sees Katya and Sasha as essentially vulnerable and you know that need to protect you know and maybe that's a little bit similar to to Gleb a little bit um the fact that some of the people he encounters he feels that they are vulnerable especially like Isoon who is like totally vulnerable like totally like even though she can carry herself well I mean Mm -hmm. she's she's out there and the whole world's full of wolves you know Mm -hmm. and um so yeah um I guess in some ways maybe his father was a bit that way with him like um I think the reason I mean there were many reasons why his natural father was closer to him to Gleb than you know the the legitimate son Petya and I, I think it was because you know, Gleb's father saw Gleb as more vulnerable, not really having a chance in life. So, and, you know, he knew that life was just going to dish crap out for him. So I think that's why he was more protective of Gleb. That's why he really went out of his way to make sure that Gleb was with him and he could protect him and give him privileges, even if society wouldn't you know, at least he could do things like give him an education, you know, provide him with a good place in the household and everything and always have him close to his side, you know, and, um, but, you know, but, but his father, you know, Nikolai, by the way, doesn't have this for Petya. He, I don't know. I think in some ways Nikolai kind of resents the society he's in and what he is. And I think he sees his own um, legitimate son as an extension of that. And he has trouble connecting with Petya. And that's why, you know, it's not that he hates Petya or anything, but he can't connect with him. And he has a more deeper love and bond with mm-hmm. uh, Lev. And then also on the other hand, he knows that Petya is going to get the house and all the stuff that goes with it, the land, the serfs, all the possessions. Well, Gleb's not going to get jack dirt, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's why Nikolai goes out of his way to try to make more provisions for Gleb, both emotionally and pulling strings and stuff. Mm-hmm. So Helvorn, how do you think that Aiden compares to Gleb as an introvert? I don't think they have much in common, actually, because um, Aiden is more on the dreamy side, I think, and he uh, and he talks a lot more uh, when he feels comfortable. So I I don't think they are very similar. And also, Aiden uh, actually wishes very much to to find people to connect with. So, um, and, and, and this is why he is actually eager to open up when he finds mm-hmm. people that he can connect with. So he doesn't, he doesn't want to be lonely. So he, he doesn't find it easy to be lonely as opposed to someone like Ingvar or Gleb, 
who don't really need someone. It, 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 it is only when they meet someone that they realize that they would like to be with someone. But before that, it's like, I don't need that. Mm, I see. <laughs> so yeah, with, with Aiden, it is not really like that. So I don't think they have all that much in common. They are very different types of introverts. Mm-hmm. I think the most different is probably Merwin and Gleb, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's so different, so different. Mm-hmm. Because she she's also depressive, whereas Gleb is pragmatic and cynical, whereas Merwin rather finds herself inadequate and she isn't really cynical or or judgmental. And well, she's also very uh, imaginative and and just uh, finds a solace in her fantasy world. So she's not nearly as pragmatic as as Gleb is. So yeah, they are they are at the opposite uh, ends of the spectrum of the introversion <laughs> spectrum. Yes, it's very interesting how how we found so many introverted characters and so different from each other and yet clearly introverted. I still find that fascinating. And this is what we found today with Tete, a new kind of introvert. (laughs) This is so interesting. It is. It is. I would have never thought there could be so many, um, you know, different types of introversion and that we've actually discovered a new one, you know, one that isn't um, based on, you know, anxiety or real introspective, but a new one, the misanthropic introvert. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess yes, exactly. I guess Joel is also misanthropic, right? It's not just Ingvar and Gleb. Oh yes, guess, definitely. But he has a different yeah. way of manifesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely think so. Um, I think, I guess just their approaches are a bit different. I, I guess um, Joel, for me, strikes he's more because he wants the convention so hard. I think he tries to mask his misanthropy while um, Gleb, on the other hand, you will know as soon as you meet him. And he, if he does not like you, if he does not connect with you or anything, you will, you will definitely know his misanthropy. <laughs> And Joel is also so much more verbal and he, he really expresses his, his beliefs and put them into words and wants to change something, whereas Gleb doesn't really care about that. I mean, if, if he wants to change something, he does it through his actions, not through his words, right? Right, exactly. Like if, how do I say, if put Gleb in a party, which would probably be the most miserable thing for him. Um, he's going to stand in the corner, silently judge everyone. If you come up to him and attempt a conversation, you have about 30 seconds to convince him that you're worth talking to. And then he'll just kind of like, if, if, if you don't, he will, you know, gruffly try to turn you, turn you down and move aside. Uh, however, if you do manage to engage him, um, he's going to, you're going to feel like you're playing chess with him. And he's going to really try to, you know, see what you are and who you are um, before he makes any, any slight subtle attempt to move like one grain of salt to show any softness, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Out of, out of my characters, who do you think Gleb would be the most judgmental towards? Is it Sam? <laughs> I think it's a number of characters, ironically. Um, I think I think Sam um, 
let's see, I probably Sam, Joel, I think um, a lot of Arda Yawn, ironically, despite the <laughs> really? <laughs> Wow. I hadn't you know, expected that. Well, um, why, why he would be judgmental of Arda Yawn. Is it because of the non-committal thing? I think it's the non-committal thing, the fact that Ardayan has done certain things in his past, which I don't know. I wouldn't want Gleb to meet him in a dark alley if he found out what, you know, Ardayan had done, because <laughs> even though Gleb presents himself as more dignified and having better manners than, say, Andre, if he met, if Gleb met Andre, he'd be disappointed. But um, let's just say... But let's just say that I think Ardayan would emerge out of this with probably a black eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Gleb's like, don't you don't do that, you know, you don't do that sort of thing and not face consequences. And even if you're not facing consequences, I'll give you consequences for mm -hmm. it. He turned vigilante on Ardayan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would, he would, he would. I mean, especially like if Ardayan had done other things and that had led to consequences, uh, I mean, there would be no stopping Club. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. a driving towards that. <laughs> yeah. Is he only like this towards like women, for example? Because let's say Ardayan was like homosexual and he, he, he did, he had the exact same lifestyle, Would he'd be okay with it because it doesn't lead to pregnancy. The thing about Gleb is that he's really scared of the illegitimate children thing. Right. So if, right. if Ardayan was just homosexual and everyone knew that he was non-committal and homosexual, would he just be okay with it? I think he would. I, I think he would. I mean, now I'm trying to think of what Gleb would think of, of that. I think, I think I think Gleb in in one maybe the only similar aspect to Andre is um, will not judge on that you know because he's like I don't know anything about it I don't know really how it works or what it is I won't judge it let people do what they wish to do um, but I think the only thing that would get him mad is I think if Ardayan was purposely hurting the you know the people he was involved with you know like. Mm -hmm. If he was a bad partner to somebody, if he emotionally or verbally or God forbid, physically, you know, abused mm -hmm. his partners, then I think Lev would have an issue and Ardayan better not walk down any dark alleys, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't but, think Ardayan's goal was ever to hurt anyone. It just happens right. because he's it very selfish. So that's, does that count? Because it's not intentional. I think. Well, here's the thing. Gleb doesn't really care whether or not it's intentions because he has seen people with good intentions fail so bad. Like his natural father had the best intentions in the world, but his father ended up being the person who hurted him the most. Mm. And so uh, for Gleb, anybody, regardless of their whatever in life, um, station or whatever, or, or what they do, intentions mean nothing it's all about the results. You can have the best intentions in the world, but if you do something and consequences have come from it, Gleb believes that there has to be some sort of a payment for that. And, and Gleb thinks of that on himself. You know, he could have the best intentions for something, but if he, if he does something that results in a consequence, he knows he has to pay. And I think it, it, it kind of stems not only from his life, what he saw as a child and his youth, 
But I think also being in the position he was, um, especially when he gained control um, of different attachments in men, you know, he started to form uh, not, not a regiment, but like an attachment. And he realized he could have the best tactics, the best intentions, like we could go and do this. But if any of his men get killed or maimed, that is all on him and he has to pay the consequences of it, be that resulting in risking captivity or loss or you know reprimand from higher ups or just with the guilt that he had failed his men and now they're dead or they're mm -hmm. like maybe crippled for life, you know. That's true. Mm. Yeah. Is yeah. Ingvor similar with regards to the people under him, Helvorn? Yes, I think he is, but at the same time, I mean, yes, but I think he's more, well, not really selfish, but but he doesn't want, he wouldn't, for example, get involved in something like you said that um, Gleb would, uh, um, would, would, would punish or, or would want Ardayan to see that he was wrong. In Ingvar would not do something like that. I don't think he would. But in, in, in relation to the people that are under him, yes, I think I think they are quite similar in in a way. Yeah. How would Ardayan, sorry, not Ardayan, how would Ingvar and Gleb interact, do you think? In very few words. <laughs> <laughs> I I I uh, I mean I would I would like to think that they become friends just based on the commonalities that they share like oh you know like 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 two strong wolves looking at each other and nodding <laughs> but at the same time I'm just wondering if Gleb's just looking at Ingvar and just assessing him as a threat or competition you know I'm just thinking of that and I I, I would love to know what Ingvar what what he's going to assess Gleb as oh yeah that's really interesting yeah because um, yes, Ing Ingvar is also really competitive, so, um, I think they would, I think they would see each other as competition, definitely, but they could work with each other if they had similar goals, and I think that they would, they would end up respecting each other. I mean, I I Ingvar doesn't really, Ingvar is quite suspicious of people who, who talk a lot and who are extroverted. So he would be less suspicious of Gleb because, because he isn't like that. I, I think, I, I agree. I, I feel like once he and Ingvar start talking and maybe he sees Ingvar do something that Gleb approves of or like thinks, oh, that was good. That, that was like a wise thing or a smart thing. Uh, I think then he'll realize Ingvar should be my ally. Uh, I'm going to put down, um, going to put down my wall a little bit and try to build an ally with him. But I will still keep my eye on him because because Gleb is that sort of person. No matter what kind of allies he acquires, he always keeps his eye on them because he just, God bless, he just doesn't have that level of trust yet. I mean, you you have to build it. I mean you really, you know that, you know that you've gained his full trust when he doesn't keep, you know, his, his side eye on you, you know. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 So would would you say that Ingvar in some ways, does he have that? Does he like think, even though he's made an ally, would he have like, I'll keep an eye on them despite them being an ally, because I wonder if they're going to maybe betray me or do something wrong. That's a really good question. I 
I didn't really think about it in that way until now. Uh, well, he not as much as Gleb, definitely. But yes, I do have I do have certain scenes. Uh, I do have one scene in, in in Sons of Disobedience where he is suspicious of Aiden, even though well he 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 trusts Aiden on the one hand, but he still is suspicious of him after after they had already become friends. So yes, I think he also does that. I just never thought about it in that way, you know. So yeah. <laughs> comparing him to Gleb does help me realize that yes, he does that, but not to the same extent as Gleb does. So right. Gleb is more well on the. You said you didn't want to say paranoid, but on the paranoid side, he's, I think. He's like, he's like, oh, he's more more suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think. I think Gleb is paranoid, but without, you know, usually when we say paranoid, we think of the hysteria that comes with it. Mm -hmm. I think Gleb is paranoid minus the hysteria. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Gleb is, if you start off at level one, it's going to be very hard. Once you get to level 50, then he will trust you completely. So, um, and uh, I think he's only had maybe three people in his entire life that he has had level 50 trust with. And well, actually more like five people. So on one hand he can count uh, who he trusts completely. And that, that, includes, um, that includes his wife and two sons. So, because he, does, he and Nysun do end up having two sons. So um, he does trust his sons. So. Because if you can't trust your son or, or your children, who can you trust? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. It would be interesting if, if they were to become allies, like in, a, in an AU or something. You know, that would be interesting. Um, and I was just thinking, I used to think that Kai was, was like the cold-hearted introvert. But um, uh, Fortunus Games helped me realize that Kai is actually just is just um, warmth wrapped in a popsicle cover. Now, I was curious, I wanted to ask you how, uh, how in, in what way is Gleb similar to Kai or, or if they have things in common because from the outside, they do seem a bit similar in terms of, uh, uh, of, of how they interact with others. But, but I know that Kai is more eager to open up right than, than Gleb is. Yeah, there. Well, I guess I guess to start off, I think the similarities are that both have had very hard lives. Um, Kai has certainly gone through a lot of loss and hardship that had hardened him and made him very um, not eager to trust people, but not necessarily misanthropic. I think Kai is more he's more embracing humanity, you know, embracing the, the soul, if you will while Gleb is not. Um, Kai, on the other hand, if it wasn't for his circumstances, he would very much want to embrace um, home life and domesticity. Um, but unfortunately, he has all these stipulations as a reaper and everything that he, he cannot, although there are some spoilers ahead that uh, compromise that for him, fortunately. Um, but um, I also think that um, both he and Kai are kind of calculating. I mean, they're both diplomatic. They will think before they speak. 
both are articulate, although Gleb is more terse, gruff, to the point, pragmatic, get it done right now, while Kai wants to see where it will lead and, and how far he could take something if it might lead to a better opportunity. While Gleb wants the better opportunity, he wants to get it now because he thinks if he doesn't act on it, he'll lose it. Mm -hmm. um, so Kai's more farsighted than um, Gleb. And I also think, um, you know, both... I think I think the I think the main difference is that Kai uh, Kai is more willing to open up and 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 be be soft and tender about things, you know, in his own cold, quiet, gentle way. While Gleb struggles with trying to visualize this and think about it, um, so I mean there are those those differences, and I just realized that Kai wasn't as cold-hearted or as introverted as I thought he was. And Kai, like I said, if we put him in a party, he would not entirely enjoy it. You know, he wouldn't say, oh, yippee, you know, I'm going to put a lampshade on my head and start dancing. Um, but um, I think he would try to seek out people that would feel similar to him or may feel vulnerable that he could help or people that could help him out with one of his goals. So he's more... He, he's not willing to close himself off like Gleb. He's more seeking. He's more like, you know, mm -hmm. seeking. So th those are the differences. So Kai was not as cold-hearted as I thought he was. Yeah. Like Aiden, in a way, I think. M more like Aiden's kind of introversion. In many ways, yeah. I think I, I, it'd actually be kind of interesting if Kai and Aiden would meet. I think I think maybe maybe they would get along quite well. We're gonna yes, know I think so. the Sims. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will. yeah, that's we right. Will that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. It was the RP between um Kai and Sam that kind of revealed that about Kai, right? That Kai is actually a very He's actually more sociable than Gleb is. I think out of all your characters, you previously thought Kai was the most introverted, but it seems like I think it's it's probably Gleb who is. Gleb wins the prize for for introversion. Um, yeah, Kai. Here's the thing. I think if Kai sees a need or a situation, he will socialize. Now he will not just go randomly up to people. But for example, if it's something that concerns him or something that concerns others involved with him or something like, well, for example, I think Kai is someone who would, Kai is very much involved in social justice and change. You know, that's why he accepts the position that, um, you know, grandfather death uh, gives him. And that's why he's very, he takes his role as being like a governor of winter and death very seriously because he can provide, you know, in his mind, you know, better justice and fairness and equality. So this is why in the AU, you know, Kai gets very involved in labor union politics because Kai does believe people can change and that you need to do things that are the best for everybody. So he's more co community-based mind. So Kai is not that, he's not really individualistic. He's like, what's good for everybody else? Like he doesn't care about himself. Like he's willing to throw himself under a train if it means it'll help others out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you think that you have a better idea of how to write 
Gleb now that we've had this discussion? I think I, I do now. I have a much better idea now because asking these questions unlocks what he is. And I think I have a better idea. And I think about the kind of voice as, um, you know, Hella Warren first had asked me, I think it will be a memoir. And it, I think it'll be like narrated in first uh, voice, but I think it'll be according to his own style. It's going to be more shorter, pragmatic. There won't be any of Andre's crazy slang. Um, I think it'll be more like a dignified 18th century gentleman, but without all the poetical purple trappings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're very excited to learn more about it. Yeah, I can't wait to start on it. I feel inspired now. I just suddenly want to jump onto Microsoft Word now. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for being here and telling us so much about Gleb. Well, thank you guys so much. You guys are, are literal geniuses, and I mean literal in the literal way, literary as well. And thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for all your listening. Thank you for all the knowledge you shared. And thank you so much. I think you guys have really breathed life into Gleb now. And I owe that to you too. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. It was thank a pleasure. You. See you. See you. Thank Bye. you guys. Bye. Bye.